Hi folks, I'm Alan Water. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 12th, 2012. For newcomers, you should always make the use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll find some of the thousand audios for download for free. And hopefully you'll understand this massive, incredibly massive old system that really runs the world, uh, vastly different from the one you're taught to believe in. And uh, I go into the histories of the organizations that came together and how, and how they made their foundations and their purposes and right down to you taking over all the world's resources a long, long, long time ago, including the people in it, of course, too, and bringing in their organized society, a self-technotronic society or, or technical society, a society where experts rule the world and why bother with politicians and, and things like that, post-democratic eventually, and that's where we were heading into today. We're actually there, actually. And they want to bring down the population to a manageable size, and using science, once again, they can create a new type of human, basically, servant, which won't need entertainment, uh, won't need uh, law enforcement to look after them. Something like seven of nine of the old Star Trek series just get plugged in at night to recharge and let loose the next day. And it's pretty much on that, that keel that we're, we're talking about tonight, too. There's so much going on in that area that you wouldn't believe, uh, really, how it all ties together. It's deliberate. It's not accidental. It isn't just willy-nilly scientific outfits uh, independent of each other uh, going on the same direction. It's definitely directed. For all science, you see, all science is directed by grants. And those who are the grant makers direct the course of the planet and society as well. So help yourself to the website, as I say. And uh, when you're at it, remember, you bring me to you. You're the audience that bring me to you. So you can buy the books and discs. I've got it cutting through com. I don't bring on advertisers as guests to sell you anything. I don't have shares in anything that's sold either. And um, uh, if you keep me going, then you get an alternate uh, in-depth look at the history behind the system that's running us today. And every part of this plan, by the way, that we're living through right now, Right now, with all its bank crashes, amalgamations of countries into, con- you know, like the EU superpowers, all that was decided over a hundred years ago that they would actually do this. In fact, Karl Marx talked about it in the 1800s. We're, we're going through a deliberate plan. Now, as I say, from the US to Canada to, to order the materials that I sell, you can uh, use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office, or you can use PayPal. Some people send cash across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and once again, PayPal. And really, uh, straight donations are terribly welcome in these depressing inflationary times, as they say. Now, when you do understand what's happening in the world, and you realize the big authors that did put lots of good books out there in the, the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s even, people who worked in the big global think tanks, that in turn were employed by the big international bankers, the big organizations that were wanting to bring in a kind of socialist-type society. They decided that socialism was the easiest way to to uh, make a, a country uniform and culture uniform 
uh, and use that same uniformity across the whole planet. They call it democracy today, which also involves uh, liberalism, uh, which is the same thing as communism. As far as Khrushchev was concerned, that's what he said. He says, in America, we don't call it communism, we call it liberalism. And you keep wondering why liberalism goes into these strange, offbeat, way-out topics that become priorities for pushing in political correctness and, and PC circles. Well, it's all because it must destroy the old culture for us to bring in the new. And I mean utterly stamp every bit of decency into the dust to bring in the new society. That's what you're living through today, if you're wondering why. There's so many things apparently more important than others. And when they bring in this world society, as I say, it's through stealth, it's through uh, lies, it's through deception. And uh, people like Bertrand Russell, big players, he worked in so many global think tanks, designing the culture of today, 50 years ago. Uh, it's just astonishing. It's all coming true. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm back, cutting through the matrix. I'm just talking about the big system that we live in. It's called this global society, as they like to call it, or they tell us to call it that, actually, and the newspapers, which they own, of course, go along with it, and we part that, too. But in reality, as I say, it's been planned a long time ago, and if you go into, say, the, the authors who worked uh, planning the cultures that would be brought in uh, step by step by step a long time ago, like Bertrand Russell, you'll find out that, uh, that they're never wrong. They actually bring it in the way they wanted to bring all the parts in, step by step by step, until they utterly debase society. And it's not just for the sake of debasement, it's so that that culture can never rise again and be self-sufficient or stand together as a particular culture. This was proven not long ago, again, by the, the, the assistant prime minister in Britain, Tony Blair, who said in mainstream that he was told to open the floodgates of Britain wide open to, to all immigration to deliberately destroy what was left the British culture so they could never, ever reform and go back to anything that it was. This technique's been used across the globe as well. So it's been used as a weapon. Who would have thought that multiculturalism would be used as an actual weapon? But everything is used as a weapon when you've got a big, big agenda. Bertrand Russell also said that uh, eventually you'll have two tiers, two types of people. Those will be the managerial class, basically, little, the bureaucratic types. But he says that the true leaders of society will, will eventually not be a distinct um, class, but a distinct species, because they'll be raised from birth, knowing what the truth of everything was. He also said that two, that university students who pried too much into, into the, the different findings they were getting and, and experimentation as opposed to the, the official uh, findings they're supposed to find, uh, would be told, pulled aside and told if they wanted to value their career, they'd go along with uh, previously done studies on things. In other words, we'd, we'd have two branches of science. The science is given to the general public as a reality, and the sciences, they're held in secret by those who hold the power. Now, here's an article today from Britain, and things from the British Medical Journal, and it says, Misconduct pervades the UK research. Well, I've been talking about this for years. 
UK research is plagued with misconduct, according to a survey of 2,700 scientists by the British Medical Journal. It found that 13% had first-hand knowledge of UK-based researchers deliberately altering or fabricating data, while 6% were aware of misconduct that had not properly been investigated. The BMJ released the results at a conference in London where experts pushed for stronger action to tackle what they said was a problem being ignored by many universities, hospitals and other scientific institutions. And it goes on and on and on, and it mentions the fact that um, that uh, students were warned, just, as I said just a minute ago, uh, they were warned uh, if they wanted to value their career to go just keep quiet and go along with the, the official statistics, etc., 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 and that's how things have come to pass, because it's planned that way. Like everything else is planned that way. And there's no real oversight committee whatsoever in Britain. There's one kind of voluntary one that runs through universities, probably little funding, etc. But even that is probably compromised as well, since you'll find that university professors have been involved with it too. And they all, they're all basically placed in their chairs by those who rule the system. So that's how the world really is. But isn't it astonishing to always read the old the old players who helped design this system uh, to do with culture, everything that we would be living in right now, who are long dead, people who are long dead, and, and it's all come to pass as they planned it. It wasn't just speculation. It wasn't just, I imagine, in the future there will be. This was actually world planning, world meetings to bring this system in. Quite something, isn't it? And what we also know, too, is Russell and many other ones talked about... Um, all the same things that Marx talked about. And so he's a British lord, a British lord, hereditary lord too, uh, talking about bringing down the population, sterilization of the public, stuff like that, and uh, they'd have to do it. Well, again, it's not imagination, it's not wishful thinking, it's not hope. These guys plan things and they bring it to pass. That's why you have a world today which is essentially fascist with corporations either being uh, um, working for governments uh, or actually running over governments and telling governments what to do. You can't really tell the difference now because they go in and out of the corporations into politics and back and forth all the time now. This article is from India. And in India, it's a big, big test bed for uh, genetically modified food, as it is too with big pharma and vaccinations. There's been so many deaths from vaccinations, and they're managing to cover it up here because the system is it's a caste system and it's terribly corrupt. It's easy to bribe. But anyway, it says that renowned filmmaker and social activist Mahesh Bhatt today launched a scathing attack on biotech multinational companies and their nexus with regulatory bodies for unleashing what he describes as bioterrorism in the country. Now, Rothschilds has bought up so much of India since after they put the farmers out of business deliberately and poisoned their, their water supplies and all the rest of it. And now they brought in their GM seeds and so on. Speaking about an, at a function organized to launch his new film, Poison on the Platter, directed by Iyaj Kenshan, Bat said in their mad rush to capture the multi-billion dollar market Indian agriculture and food industry, the biotech MNCs are bulldozing warnings by scientists about the adverse impact of GM foods on health and environment and hurtling the mankind towards a disaster which will be far more destructive than anything the world has seen so far, simply because it will affect every single person living on this planet. And that's true, it's already doing it. But we're going sterile, our immune systems are shot. And they know this. They've always known this at the top. You don't bring in, like, like Monsanto, uh, people who work in the bio-warfare industry to make your food, folks. 
Bats filmmaker, um, uh, film makes a mockery of government in India's claim of not allowing import of any GM foods in the country as it conclusively demonstrates that supermarkets in India are flooded with harmful foodstuff and biotech MNCs are cashing in on the ignorance and unsuspecting consumers in India. Indians are unfortunately kept in the dark and the corporations are hatching strategies to cash in on their ignorance. Poised on the platters here for an attempt to generate awareness amongst consumers and kickstart an informed debate on the issue, said Bats. Trials of GM foods on lab animals across the world, and this is true, this is so darn true, have repeatedly shown that they cause bleeding stomachs and adversely affect brain, livers, uh, lungs, kidney, pancreas, and intestines. They've even been linked to higher offspring mortality and they cause infertility. We know that even with soya, uh, the two, the third generation are fed nothing but the GM soya, and they, they, like mice, etc., end up totally uh, sterile. Well, that happens with you too, folks. You know, we're being altered, big time, on purpose. He says, are we ready to eat a food that has the potential to stunt our growth, impair our immune system, and adversely affect all our vital organs, asks uh, Ajay Kanchan, director of the documentary, adding that it's shocking that instead of protecting the interests of farmers and consumers, regulatory bodies in India are pandering to the greed of biotech MNCs like Monsanto, whose track record is littered with lies, deceptions, and notorious ability to corrupt the regulatory bodies all over the world. But you've got to stop right there and say, well, how come they've got this power to do it? It's because, you see, the bio-warfare industry is, is part of this big global structure. It, it also fulfills the political social agenda of depopulation, etc., 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 and sterility. That's why. It's part of the military-industrial complex. That's why it gets all this power. He says, I can say with absolute confidence there is irrefutable and overwhelming evidence that genetically engineered foods are harmful and that they are not being evaluated properly by the governments of India, the US, the European Union, or anywhere in the world. And again, you ought to say, well, how come, eh? Said Jeffrey M. Smith, founding director, Institute of Responsible Technology, and author of two widely respected books on health impact of GM foods called Seeds of Deception and Genetic Roulettes, adding that this is one of the most dangerous technologies ever introduced on Earth and has been deployed in our food supply. It's madness. What we need is a political willingness to say no more. I think it would take a bit more uh, than that, actually, to get it to, to get anything done at all. Now, this article ties in with it, this next one, because it's a big study. It's been done by China. And it says the very real danger of genetically modified foods, stuff we were all prattling about years ago, but nobody wanted to listen back then. And it says uh, Chinese researchers have found small pieces of ribonucleic acid, that's your RNA, in the blood and organs of humans who eat rice. This is a modified rice. The Nanjing University-based team showed that this genetic material will bind to proteins in human liver cells and influence the uptake of cholesterol from the blood. Ever wonder why suddenly everything changed in the 70s, late 70s? Everybody in America started to bloat outwards. (laughs) Ever wonder why suddenly it happened? Uh, the type of RNA in question is called microRNA. Due to its small size, microRNAs have been studied extensively since their discovery 10 years ago and have been linked to human diseases including cancer, Alzheimer's and diabetes. The Chinese research provides the first example of ingested plant microRNA surviving digestion 
and influencing human cell function. They program your cells once they're in you, folks. That's what they do. They program your cells. It's no different, really, than, than, than how they, they do it with fish in Canada. I, I was shocked when I first saw it. It was a public information uh, documentary I watched. And you saw these people grabbing a fish every five seconds, going down these troughs in a factory-type situation, just touching the fish, this little pencil-shaped thing that was on a, on a, on a little pole. And this thing injected using E. coli as, as, as the main uh, thing to fix it into the fish. But it, but it, it, it just blew basically through the, the surface, this particular DNA combination. And the, each time the fish's cells would die off and new ones would grow, it would be the new type, the new engineered type that would take over. And you're eating all this food with the RNA and everything else affecting you as well. They know damn well what they're doing. And of course, you'll end up sterile too. Most folk are already in the West, as the studies show. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. I'm talking about the manipulation of our genes, basically, through what we eat. And it's, it's science which has been proven to do the same thing over and over and over again. Multiple studies on this. But it doesn't matter. The big boys go ahead and make us eat this these, this altered stuff with different genes put in there, etc., etc. It's weaponized. Your food is weaponized, basically. And it's got a good function to fulfill. It kills a lot of us off. It reduces the population. And it makes the, the ones who, even young men now, are sterile. Look at all the studies coming out of the, the UN every year. They never comment on why we're sterile. They don't care. They know why we're what, If it was something they were not doing and weren't aware of, it would be a crisis. But they never just, all men are now about 85% sterile now in the West. That's what you hear every year coming out of the UN. That's no big deal. It's meant to be. And they know darn well what's causing it all too. But as I say, there's a war on you and you don't even know it. This uh, study goes on to say that... Um, um, uh, the Chinese research proves the first example of ingested plant microRNA surviving digestion and influencing human cell function. Should the research survive scientific scrutiny, it could prove a game changer in many fields. It would mean that we're eating not just vitamins, protein and fuel, but information as well. It can recode your, your DNA structure. The Chinese RNA study threatens to blast a major hole in Monsanto's claim. It means that DNA can code for microRNA, which can in fact be hazardous, and that's putting it awfully mildly. That knowledge could deepen our understanding of cross-species communication, co-evolution, and predator-prey relationships. Uh, we know who the predators are, though. It could illuminate new mechanisms for some metabolic disorders and perhaps explain how some herbal medicines function, etc., etc., and, uh, of course, Monsanto's website is, states there's no need for or value in testing the safety of GM foods in humans. <laughs> there you go. Isn't that amazing, eh? Isn't that amazing, too, that Monsanto had the power through all its contacts to to um, stop anyone testing their stuff in the West? Actually, you can't test this stuff in the West. It's illegal to test this stuff. You just see all in faith it's good for you. There's power, eh? There's power on your food. Your basic intake is food or you die. <laughs> and this article here too says we incorporate genetic information from the food we eat. The new study 
and it gives you much the same as from the other one. It says, the study shows that we incorporate genetic information from the food we eat and that ingested nucleic acids such as DNA and RNA can have physiological influences. The study is yet another nail in the coffin of the Reynolds discredited safety assessment process for GM foods in the EU and elsewhere. These assessments do not consider the effects described. And this one goes on and on and on about the different, uh, it's a bit more detailed uh, and what this actually, these things actually do to your own genes. It's quite interesting for those who care. Most folk want to munch away in their chips and cookies and, uh, and watch TV. But that this is what's happening to us because it's planned that way. And that's why these big companies have been held up to be untouchable, pretty well untouchable. And this article I'll put up tonight too is on Monsanto, Blackwater and GM crop saboteurs. I think I've already put it up, but it's, it's from uh, 2010 initially, but it goes on about how they all work together and how they go after people who attack them in any way whatsoever with incredible force and take people to court, yada, 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 bankrupt them, how they put people out of business and farming, how they even have their own spies, I mean professional spies from professional, they're all ex-CIA, etc., and FBI, and how they infiltrate and spy on groups that are opposing Monsanto and that kind of stuff, all the dirty tricks that they play. This is a like a private army inside your own country. But most of the stuff in your own country now is private, isn't it, really? And one article here is one on the fracking. The fracking uh, business, of course, is to get the, uh, the gas out of the ground. And uh, what, there was one shocking um, documentary put out not long ago that gave one side of the story. There's another side of it as well. And this this, art, this article here is a couple of them actually uh, to, to tell you how they fudged the movie and really altered your perceptions of things. Uh, it goes on about how long they've been doing the fracking, 60 years or so. And um, and that the fact that the guy who made the movie that scared everybody had to pull it eventually because it was an inconvenient uh, truth coming out. So anyway, you just don't know who to believe today unless you really go into, uh, you know, a lot of studies. It's a Gasland movie, A Fracking Shame, it says. Director pulls the video to hide inconvenient truths. Josh Fox has made a documentary that makes some pretty alarming claims about gas drilling across the U.S., but as is often the case when these claims are examined, they don't stand up to scrutiny. Fox's documentary, Gasland, claims that fracking, a way of drilling for natural gas, has polluted water and endangered lives. One of the most alarming uh, scenes is when he lights water uh, that residents claim has been polluted by fracking. It's coming out of the tap. It is uh, dramatic and at first glance seems like a slam dunk meaning you can't disprove it, right? I mean, they can light pure water. It says, it's polluted and there's gas drilling nearby. It must be responsible. It says, but then a little digging reveals a few inconvenient facts. A 1976 study by the Colorado Division of Water found that this area was plagued with gas and the water problems back then, and it was naturally occurring. In other words, before the fracking, they already had uh, methane and different stuff coming through the water. As reports stated, there was trouble, some amounts of methane in the water decades before fracking began. It seems that in geographical areas, gas has always been in the water. But George, George Fox knew this and chose not to put it in his documentary uh, video they put out called Gasland. So this author here asked him about the mission at a recent screening at Northwestern University in Chicago. He said that he did not include these facts that questioned his alarmism because they were not relevant. <laughs> he should work for the New World Order, boys. Eh? 
He also dropped the bombshell that I had not been aware of, that there were media reports of people lighting their water as far back as 1936. And again, this was not included in Gaslined either. Everything's done for a political skewing. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix. And and just showing how, again, videos or anything else, or books, whatever, can be very misleading if the author's intention is to be so. And the author of Gasland was aware that as far back as 1936, people were were lighting their tap water as far back as that, because of the methane contained in it naturally. So it just just goes to show you, you know, it's it's like the movie, that that, that movie they did a long time ago um, on... um, Really, the wars that were going to come up, uh, what's that one called? Wag the dog, wag the dog, and how the perception alters your your reality. And it's on television or whatever, it must be true. It must be true, right? You can't really tell. But this guy apparently deliberately kept this stuff out uh, because he didn't think it relevant, because it wasn't relevant to his cause, which is, again, a greeting, obviously, and... uh, uh, the whole greening agenda, which also wants us depopulated too, by the way. They'll get funded by the big foundations. So there you go with that one. Now, this one, this article here is quite interesting to do with um, naming names on who's running your government, really. And it says, it's International Crisis Group. It says that while the International Crisis Group claims to be committed to preventing and resolving deadly conflict, the reality is that they are committed to offering solutions crafted well in advance to problems they themselves have created in order to perpetuate their own corporate agenda. And it's true enough, we live in an Orwellian world, and the names are often uh, very opposite to what they actually do. It says, nowhere can this be better illustrated than in Thailand, and more recently in Egypt, ICG member Kenneth Adelman had been backing Thailand's Prime Minister uh, Taksin Shinwatra, a former Carlyle Group advisor who was literally standing in front of the CFR in New York City on the eve of his ousting from power on a 2006 military coup. It says, since 2006, Thanksgiving's meddling in Thailand have been propped up by fellow Carlyle man James Baker and his Baker-bought law firm, Belfort Centre advisor Robert Blackwell of Barber, Griffiths and Rogers, and now Robert Amsterdam's Amsterdam and Peroff, a major corporate member of the globalist Chatham House. That's the, that's the, the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is the, the, the parent of the CFR. This is with Thailand now mired in political turmoil led by Thaksin Shinwatra and his red shirt color revolution. This is a fact. They, they've got this, all these NGOs over there dressed with these red shirts. Uh, which they took from a, a, a group that were there a hundred odd years ago called the Red Shirt Brigade, by the way, communist. And it says the ICG is ready with solutions in hand. These solutions generally involved uh, tying the Thai government's hands with arguments that stopped uh, the, and that, that stopped thanks in subversive activities amounts to human rights abuses in hopes of allowing the globalist-backed revolution to swell beyond control. It's, it's a, a color revolution and Soros and the same guys are behind it. Soros is amazing. He's, he's opened an office in Burma now and he's getting a lot of uh, agitators ready to move out of Burma, well-trained into all these different countries and keep it going. Then, of course, NATO comes in and bombs the hell out of everybody when the government tries to keep itself going. 
and, uh, uh, and, and then they're under the New World Order too. It says the unrest in Egypt, of course, was led entirely by ICG member Mohammed El-Baradei and his U.S. State Department recruited, funded and supported April 6th youth movement coordinated by Google's Whale Gonum. While their unrest was portrayed as being spontaneous, fueled by the earlier Tunisian uprising, ICG's El-Baradei, Gonum and their youth movement had been in Egypt since 2010, assembling their National Front for Change, it was called, laying the groundwork for the January 25, 2011 uprising. ICG's George Soros would then go on to fund Egyptian NGOs, working to rewrite the Egyptian constitution after frontman El-Baradei was succeeded in removing Hosni Mubarak. This Soros-funded constitution and the resulting Serval Stooge government it would create represents the ICG re- resolving the crisis their own El Baradei help creates. And it gives you the, the board members of ICG who are involved in this. George Soros, Kenneth Adelman, Edelman, he says, Samuel Berger, uh, Wesley Clark, Mohammed El Baradei, Carla Hills. And notable ICG advisors are Richard Armitage, Sigmund Brzezinski, Stanley Fisher, Shimon Perez, uh, Surin Putsuan and Fidel V. Ramos. Notable founders uh, or perhaps our supporters as financial supporters are Carnegie Corporation of New York as a big foundation, Hunt uh, Alternatives Fund, Open Society Institute, Rockefeller Brothers Fund, Morgan Stanley, Deutsche Bank Group, Soros Fund Management, LLC, McKinsey and uh, Company, Chevron Shell. Uh, these, are the, these are the companies that fund what you think are the spontaneous uprisings across the world. And it's all done through these big corporations and their armies of NGOs. And this other article, too, uh, is on about who's running your country. It says, Hillary Clinton turns to think tankers for new foreign affairs policy board. And this is getting back into technocracy where, again, experts will run you. This is all the changeover that you're seeing living through right now. It says, um, so it says that the U.S. State Department will from now on depend on permanent advisory drawn from the, the ranks of what it calls think tank scholars. Now, pretty well every think tank scholar uh, is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, a private organization too. Remember that. The article also notes that this move is similar to the already existing Defense Policy Board at the Pentagon. And this is an effort to make the U.S. State Department more like the Defense Department, however, in which way the author is not clear. I mean, it's true, Defense Policy Board is basically a private individuals, uh, again, private organization. Since the U.S. State Department literally is directing armies of protesters and their armed counterparts in the streets from Tunisia to Syria, from Belarus to Moscow, and from Myanmar to Bangkok and Malaysia, it would indeed make sense to reconfigure it into something more suitable to oversee warfare rather than diplomacy. It is the U.S. State Department from which organizations like the National Endowment for Democracy and its myriad of seditious sowing NGOs stem from and go forth manipulating foreign governments rather than dealing with them as equal sovereign states, a long-running theme pursued through the upper echelons of the globocratic elite, it says. The board the Washington Post describes contains 25 members led by Brookings Institution, President Strobe Talbot, former U.S. Deputy Secretary of State and Rhodes Scholar. The Washington Post then lists 10 other members drawn from these think tanks, including uh, Nina Hashijian, Center for American Progress, Jane Harmon, Woodrow Wilson Center, Robert Kagan from the Brookings Institute, uh, Stephen Krasner, Hoover Institution, 
Ellen Lapson, Stimson Centre, uh, Vili Nasner Brookings, Tom Pickering Brookings, uh, it's got John Podesta, Centre for American Progress, James Steinberg Brookings, Laura Tyson, Centre for American Progress, and it says, what does it mean? Corporate fascism is what it means. It says, should alarm Americans to see think tank scholars guiding U.S. policy officially? Considering that these think tanks have literally wrote America's destiny for decades, regardless of who was in office and what political ideology they claimed to profess, Clinton's move to fold them into a permanent official advisory board is but a formality. The Washington Post's presentation most likely makes the average American believe their future and their nation's foreign policy are capable, are in capable scholarly hands. However, nothing could be further from the truth. This is the Brookings Institution, the Hoover Institution, Center for American Progress, the Stimson Center, Woodrow Wilson Center, are all funded by and represent the interests of the largest corporate financiers on earth. Some like BAE, British Aerospace Engineering, not even American firms. Uh, this, this alarming convergence of government and corporations has a name. It's called corporate fascism. A centralized, increasingly authoritarian, autocratic oligarchy constituted of corporations, their policy think tanks, and even their own directors holding positions both within the government and throughout its various private sector peripheries, not only represents the death of America's constitutional republic, but the same alarming threat to the world it faced with the rise of of European fascism and Adolf Hitler's Nazi Germany and Benito Mussolini's Italy. I think it's on about the Brookings Institution. Uh, the background of is this. Within the library of the Brookings Institution, you'll find the blueprints for nearly every conflict the West has been involved with in recent memory. What's more is that while the public seem to think these crises spring up like wildfires, those following the Brookings corporate-funded studies and publications see these crises coming years in advance. They're premeditated, meticulously planned conflicts that are triggered to usher in premeditated, meticulously planned solutions to advance Brookings corporate supporters who are numerous. The ongoing operations against Iran, including U.S.-backed color revolutions, U.S.-trained and backed terrorists inside Iran, and crippling sanctions were all spelled out in excruciating detail in the Brookings Institution's report called Which Path to Persia? The more recent UN Security Council Resolution 1973 regarding Libya and canonically resembles Kenneth Polak's March 9, 2011 Brookings report titled The Real Military Options in Libya. As far back as 1973. And then it gives you all the, again, the board members. Again, it's a who's who of who is who in America. That's just ast- astonishing. You've got, you've got, uh, again, Dominic Barton, McKinsey and Company, uh, Alan R. Batrick, Eaton Park Capital Management, Richard C. Bloom, Bloom Capital Partners, uh, Abby Joseph Cohen, Goldman Sachs and Company. All the, all the big players are here. I'll put these links up tonight and you can read it for yourselves. And it's just astonishing for some folk to realize this has been going on for so many years. It's been going on all your life, actually, because Carl Quigley mentioned that in his own books, too, about the CFR. He was the historian for the CFR, uh, and he spelled out the whole New World Order technique, uh, all the techniques they would use, and all the big corporations that were involved as members on the board, too. So they were running the country back then. He said, actually, there wasn't a president or prime minister who wasn't a member of this organization, even in under its previous name, uh, for, for 60 years. That meant in the 18, you're going back into the 1880s, uh, 1890s, in Britain, America, Canada, elsewhere. This private organization's run us for pretty well 100 years. Oh, you know, absolutely from the top down. So, 
nothing happens by chance. Everything takes build-up. Uh, it takes planning. And these groups do the, all the planning. They're big, massive think tanks. They bring on strategic uh, specialists from, from warfare institutions uh, on their boards, and they plan everything years and years and years in advance. And, of course, all you have to know is you supply the, the guys who are out of work to, to fit the uniforms to go off and fight. That's all you have to know. Now, vaccine is just amazing, too. And a, bit, a great massive agenda. Again, you're putting RNA, DNA, and a whole bit into, into your body. And just like the fish and the animals, they can, alter, they can alter you as well. And they do. They do. Remember, too, Russell also talked about using the needle to, to get the kind of population they desired, the kind of mentality, too, very obedient, not too bright. So this, this, this article here is about a, a little girl dying after vaccination, and the parents are being gagged, being forbidden to talk about it. And it's in India again, I believe, because in India is a, is a big testing ground. As I say, there's so much corruption there, it's easy to get anything done. And all big farmers are in there doing a lot of testing on these peasants. You wouldn't believe it. It's just something. It's, it's, a, it's just a gold field for them. Homeland security, as we all know, or should know, or always remember, are always into everything that you do. All your data is going through. They gave us a computer collector data. That was it. That was the reason they gave us a computer. It says here, it says the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's command center routinely monitors dozens of popular websites, including Facebook, Twitter, Hulu, WikiLeaks, and news and gossip sites, including the Huffington Post and Drudge Report, according to a government document. Actually, I get it too. I get hit in my firewall, and I've got I've got uh, Fort Bragg and everything uh, coming up in mine all every day. All these different American forts. <laughs> a privacy com- uh, compliance review issued by the DHS last November says that since at least June 2010, this National Operations Center has been operating a social networking media capability, which involves regular monitoring of publicly available online forums, blogs, public websites, and message boards. The purpose of the monitoring says that government document is to collect information used in providing situational awareness and establishing a common operating picture. So there you go. It's well explained there, right? The document adds that using more plain language that such monitoring is designed to help DHS and its numerous agencies, which include the U.S. Secret Service and Federal Emergency Management Agency and all its private ones too, by the way, again, to manage government responses to such events as 2010 earthquakes, etc., etc., etc. Believe you me, if there's an earthquake going on, they, they won't be giving a damn what you're talking about at that moment. They'll be all running for their lives. Nothing to do with that stuff. So I wouldn't read any more about that rubbish. And... As I say, um, it's just astonishing to realize we're just little rats in a cage, aren't we, at the bottom? We're mushrooms, too. We're kept in the dark and fed, you know what. It's just dumped on top of us all the time. And I've talked, too, about it's, it's a war. You understand there is a deliberate war. It's not happenstance. It's just not little left-wingers or little right-wingers or whatever are doing it. No, no, this is a total war by a group who've been around for a long time, who look to society and everything makes society work. And what makes it work makes it strong. And if you are at war or you're going to war with that society, you must look at every Achilles heel it has and exploit it and bring it down and ruin it completely. That, that's why such a, such a vast amount of it is to do with destroying all your culture. And it's done incrementally, bit by bit by bit, until you know you're corrupted too and you don't know it because everybody else around you is as well. You think it's all normal. 
I've talked too about how you're indoctrinated as well through all the video games that were all put out initially and still today for the military to desensitize them from killing anybody they're told to kill. And it's got so much worse from then. I've read articles here about the, the latest ones. You, you can get your own slave now. You know, you, you get a little female that follows you around and you put a collar on her and you can shock her and do anything you want with her. And that's how they degrade society. We're past sadomasochism now. We're, we're, we're actually so contaminated, we're down in the sewer. But this article here is called this Disgusting Video is a, rec- a Recruitment Tool for the Taliban. In other words, the, the, the Taliban should be using it. It says, Outrage across the world after footage emerges showing U.S. troops urinating on dead Afghan bodies. Says the anonymous person who put it online wrote, Scouts Sniper Team 4 with 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines, out of Camp Lejeune, peeing on dead Taliban's. Says footage showing American soldiers urinating on the dead Taliban bodies has sparked outrage across the world. I don't think it would. The occasional cow would look up from chomping the grass and maybe moo a bit, but most folk don't. You know, most folk aren't even shocked with anything today, especially the youngsters. With Afghanistan's leaders labeling it as a recruitment tool for the Taliban, the disgusting and highly re- reprehensible 40-second clip shows four men in combat gear standing over three corpses with their genitals exposed as they relieve themselves. Well, I'll tell you another thing too, folks. See, normal guys don't expose their genitals to each other. Just to let you know if you haven't thought of that already. So the men can be heard joking, have a great day, buddy, golden like a shower, and yeah and groan with relief whilst urinating. Certain sects of men will do that golden shower stuff. It has sparked anger from Afghans with top negotiator for, uh, from President Hamad Karzai's High Peace Council, Arsala Ramani, saying it will have a very, very bad impact on peace efforts. And um, he added, looking at such action, the Taliban can easily recruit young people and tell them their country's been attacked by Christians and Jews, and they must defend it. It's actually barbarians it's attacked by. And one group actually made them into barbarians. Put it that way. It's not clear if the corpses belong to civilians or insurgents. It wouldn't matter. Engaged in combat, although the film does appear to have been shot in Afghanistan. The enormous person who posted included the caption, Scout Team Number 4, 3rd Battalion, St. Marines, Camp Lejeune, peeing on the Taliban, etc. And it's a lot more after this on this article. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and we'll go to we'll go to Judy from Florida if she's there. Are you there, Judy? Yes. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, I waited a while to talk to you, and I, I um, am definitely a, a patriot in the United States who, after the enactment of the NDAA, I'm, I'm a little nervous only because, you know, I'm vocal, and, um, you know, I do follow through on, on trying to talk to uh, organizations and other people uh, in and out of my network about important important issues, and I, I have children, um, and you know I don't anticipate that anything could actually happen to me, mm-hmm. um, or you know people that that I know. But uh, I mean, with with the NDAA and you know uh, the stop uh, 
online piracy act, things of that nature. I mean, they, they're trying to shut us down. Oh yeah. Uh, those that are free thinkers and, and um, you know, want the public back. Um, and I mean, you're one of the people that I appreciate the most as far as the the, the extent of your research and. Um, what you know historically uh, in documentation over uh, decades, if not centuries, is what's led us to this point. And I, you know, I've been uh, informing myself for well over a decade now, I mean, before the events of, of 9-11. Um, and I, I asked when I saw the towers go down in real time, um, I, I, I wondered out loud to myself, I was like, why didn't the... Uh, building just break off at the top where the impact occurred because I, I you know didn't know about temperatures of jet fuel or anything but I you know I didn't think that yeah. you know it was logical that um, this whole building would tumble down I knew that fuel would be much stronger than that yeah. and so I mean I've questioned a lot of things over many years um, and you know I wish I had the, the dedication or the time for the research that you know men and women like you have done, but it's like I, I know enough to know that um, I know the, the sinister nature uh, of uh, the people that, you know, are in control. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand what, you know, a lot of what their belief systems are, and, you know, it's, it's enough to really give me pause. And uh, I really don't understand if it's not for <laughs> the fluoride in the water and, uh you know, the, the, the wanton ignorance and, and uh, just the, the complicity of these things, how people can allow uh, all of this evil to keep unfolding. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, well, it's massive, massive conditioning is one, uh, but also you're quite right. They have prepared long in advance the society that they wanted to, to be around at that time. They've dumbed us down. We're very stupid as, as opposed to people 50 years ago. Um, we're poisoned. There's no doubt about it. Our IQ has dropped officially. They've, they've, they've dropped it six. The new one is six points or seven points lower than the old one. Same test. And uh, and uh, we are entertained to death until a lot of people can't they can't tell fact from fiction anymore. In fact, it's almost like living through a sci-fi movie that they're making 20 years ago about the, the future society. We're living through it today. That's what it's like, and they can't tell the difference. So uh, they always prepare the ground long before they make the attack, and they certainly did it with that. But the telltale sign is in the, the stuff, the documentation to see if I put out in the 70s, the coming wars with all the Middle Eastern countries mentioned, and then the New American Century list in the 90s, exactly the same one as Obama's following through with today. So the, the, the proof is all there, but thanks for calling, and call again, we'll go more time to answer you. From Hamish myself, Frontier Canada, it's good night, and may your God, your God, school with you.